Welcome to Brad New Podcast, Chronic Illness and Me, hosted by me, Holly Fleet, better known as Stoma Babe. On the podcast each week, I will speak with a public figure or social media influencer on how they live their lives with a chronic illness. There's no subjects I won't cover, from diarrhea to depression. No topic is off limits when you're in the hot seat with me. I hope you enjoy the show and keep your questions coming in over on Instagram. You can find the podcast page at chronic illness underscore and me. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast and on today we have the lovely Ben who is 37 and suffers from, did you say Crohn's colitis? Well it was Crohn's colitis, now now they think it's Crohn's disease because yeah, I'm sure we'll get there in a bit. But yeah. Oh okay, cool. So I guess, do you want to kind of talk us a little bit through your journey to getting diagnosed? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I was diagnosed when I was 24 back in 2009, um, which was it was, I was talking about mum and dad to my mum and dad about this the other day actually, and they said it was so bizarre because I'm uh, sort of picking up the phone to them. I was like, I've got a disease. Yeah. It was almost this sort of like like excitement and relief of like having months of, of really not being very well to then having a label and actually not having knowing what it was. Um, but I mean, back then, back in 2009, it was there wasn't many people knew about it. Like I know I'd tell people, they were like, what's that? Like they hadn't got a clue. Um, whereas now, like you speak to people and, oh yeah, oh, so-and-so's got a sister that's got that. And you know, everyone seems to know somebody who's got Crohn's or, or ulcerative colitis these days. But I guess that's good because it means that they're diagnosing it more. But yeah, so it was a bit of a, a weird one back then um, to get diagnosed. Um, I had originally tried to go through the NHS and mm. They didn't really do a massive amount. My dad had IBS, and so they kind of just assumed it was that for quite a while. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd lost quite a lot of weight. I mean, I was quite quite big when when I first got it, but I probably lost about three and a bit stone over the course of a few months. Like it just yeah, it dropped off me. I got to the point where you could kind of like see the ribs behind my back and stuff, and I looked really gaunt. And yeah, it wasn't great. So get the diagnosis was uh, was was really good. Um, so yeah, Crohn's colitis was just uh, confined to my large intestine, to my colon back then. Um, unfortunately, it was quite mild. So the lower level drugs of um, azathioprine and um, doses of steroids and pentazomazalazine, they, they all worked really well for me. Um, and it wasn't really having too many side effects. I got a little bit of the dreaded moon face, but, but not really, it wasn't too bad. Um, and um, I, I was fine for years, really. I was all right. I sort of managed to get through the rest of my 20s with sort of relative comfort, um, occasional little flares here and there. And then it got to the got to lockdown, so 2020, I suppose, 2019. Um, and it just started getting worse. Um, and those drugs weren't working anymore. Um, so every time I was, I'd had so many doses of steroids, they were getting worried about the amount of steroids that I'd had because it can cause osteoporosis and, and all sorts of other nasty stuff as well. So, and the azathioprine is not great for your liver and all sorts of stuff, lymph nodes and all sorts mm. of things. I remember saying, I remember when they put me on that and they were like, well, we don't want you to be on this too long because your, your cancer, your lymph cancer risks are now higher than your bowel cancer risks. It's like, oh, this is a lovely conversation, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was, I was kind of pleased when they said, okay, well, we're gonna try you on the biologics. So uh, I did. Uh, I'd live map first, um, and then I was second map. Um, did about two or three rounds of each one, um, but they just just didn't do anything. They didn't really help. Um, I was still sort of in pain, um, abdominal pain, rushing to the toilet, sort of ten to fifteen times a day. Uh, towards the end, I, I wasn't making it. I was having accidents, having to wear adult nappies, and uh, which, you know, as a teacher, it's not. I can't just really just leave the classroom. So it was it was a bit of a nightmare, really. 
Um, and so when they said, you know, I think that, you know, your primary non-responder, I think it's time that we should, we should consider surgery. You could try one more biologic, but it's probably mm -hmm. not going to work. You're talking then about another, what, couple of doses of that. So 16 to 20 odd weeks of, of sort of waiting to see. And like, I can't, I'm, I'm done. I'm mentally, I'm just, I'm spent. I'm, I'm, I'm so finished now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, going from someone who... I sort of I'd say I had like imposter syndrome in the past where because it was so mild and you sort of certainly back in those earlier days when there wasn't such awareness of mm. IBD what you did hear about was like the really bad cases where people were really yeah. ill like seriously ill like obviously like you've been through a massive amount way more than than I have with with you've got UC haven't you yeah so like kind of similar though to what you said because when I got diagnosed with it I, I didn't even get diagnosed like with UC I got diagnosed with this thing like that's called proctitis which is literally just like the the very very end of the um like rectum basically is the only part that's inflamed it's uh, so they literally they the way they kind of explained it to me was literally like oh you're just gonna have like a bit of diarrhea every now and then it was almost like just having IBS that's kind of how they made yeah. it out to me they were like you're never you're gonna be fine like you know you're gonna live a normal life like and all this so then like coming out after that diagnosis it's almost like like I, I felt kind of like I didn't really belong in any type of community because I was like I've been diagnosed with this it's not quite IBS but it's not quite colitis so like I don't really know how to talk about it and who to talk about it with and then when I like you said when I'd see other people like talking about like worst cases stuff, I was like bloody hell well I can't bring up what I've got because I'll feel bad like I'm not as bad as you do you know what I mean like so you feel like you yeah, can't yeah. talk about it and when people would ask me sometimes like it sounds a bit bad but like sometimes when people would ask me like oh what treatments do you want I'd exaggerate because I'd feel like so like but I don't want to say like I'm just like on suppositories it sounds so lame and so like do you know what I mean and then yeah and then obviously as as with everything with time it just it just it just it can change so quickly and it, that's the thing with these diseases they can spread so fast people don't realize especially when they're not on top of the treatment that's with me I was never on top of it because nothing was working but I just always just you know like I got dismissed by doctors all the time they just palmed me off because of my original diagnosis they didn't want to do another like colonoscopy or anything so they're like oh it's just proctitis it's just proctitis you know, when actually the whole time it was just spreading and spreading and spreading. Um, yeah, until it got to a point where, like, yeah, it was like a life-death situation, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, I, I can't, yeah. I mean, to say, so I, I got to the point where, yeah, surgery was my best option. So mm. it was still sort of elective, my first one. but Yeah, but kind of not. Thinking, thinking back now, it wasn't really. Like, I think having just come out of my second one, which really was elective, and knowing how much better I've recovered this time, because I was yeah. able to go in this last time, where actually I really was way more ill than than I kind of let myself believe at the time. But so yeah, I can't imagine what it would have been like for someone like yourself to to have to have it done and in such a, an emergency case. It must be really, really scary and really hard to process that the emotional side of it as well. At least I had time to kind of get my head I don't around know. it. Like I think as well, like it's just a person. I, I don't know if you ever find this. Like I feel like when you have these sort of diseases, you just you actually persevere with so much more than like the average person would. Like your like idea of bad could be something like, well, I'm in like the hospital. Whereas like for any normal person, they're having sort of pain and the bleeding that we've been having every day, and they'd be like, well, I, I need to not be at work, but like we'll still work, we'll still do all yeah. of those things. Like how does you know? Obviously, you're a teacher, and you said it kind of impacted upon your job at points too. How did how did you find that? Like how was that? Um. So I mean, I was fortunate that um the the, the staff toilet is literally. Round the corner from my classroom, so 
Um, and I've got a, a technician, so I'm a biology teacher. So I've got a technician that, that I could sort of just say, right, can you go and stand in the classroom for me for a couple of minutes? So yeah. it was, I was, I was really fortunate, but, um, yeah, I so say it got to the point where I, I was incontinent essentially. And, wow. um, so, uh, yeah, I had to wear adult nappies, which was really, really like degrading. I just felt, I felt awful. Um, but it did the job and it, it enabled me to keep going again. Like you, like you said, like I kind of look back now and I think actually, like I remember hobbling down the corridor and the amount of people that said, so when I went back to work, someone said, you were, you were like a zombie. You look like a zombie. You were like, you were half dead. You're like, you were wow. gray. You were hobbling all over the place. Um, but I remember everyone would be like, are you all right? And my stock response was always just, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. I'm okay. Yeah. Because like, like you said, I kind of like, I, I was okay. I was okay enough to go in, but I really wasn't okay. But you just sort of, yeah, build up that resilience, I think, because you have to, because that's, your day every day for however long that flare's lasting so did you ever like speak about it with kind of like your colleagues or anything like that did you ever discuss uh, discuss what because I know especially for particularly males we talk about this a lot and and there's like uh, seems to be even more stigma for a, for a guy going through this journey than there is for a woman because I think females will talk a lot about our feelings with each other and we're very open but I know for males particularly it can be very challenging to open up especially with something so personal so I just wondered if you ever spoke to colleagues friends like and how they reacted to it and like what that experience yeah. was yeah no absolutely I, I've always been really open with it I think there's that strange fascination being a biology teacher and, and actually understanding kind of what's happening I remember when they yeah. put me on the biological and I had to research it a little bit but I actually I understood what was happening with the different proteins that your body mm. was producing and how the monoclonal antibodies were working so I was like wow this is really cool so I quite often openly talk about it with my pupils as well. I talk about it in class. I use oh, wow. myself as an example. Um, for Crohn's and Colitis Awareness Week, I did a, a whole address. The whole school um, stood up, and then we oh, were a big so chapel. Cool. I did like a yeah, I've got a, there's a video of it on my um, on my Instagram page. But oh, um, yeah, that. it was really cool. That was about I don't know, must be about 800 people. That I, I sort of did a presentation and talked about, including like really personal stuff as well. Like, I just thought, yeah. you know, I don't care. Like, I'd rather that people know. I, I think mm. like, I'm in a really, I'm in a really fortunate position that I can educate the whole raft of young people to know yeah. what living with IBD is like, because chances are some of them are going to have it. You know, yeah. there's, you know, and you think about the facts of it's like what one in 335 people has a stoma in the UK. So I'm sitting there thinking the amount of times I think, well, hang on, like there's like 700 odd pupils in my school, so that yeah, means definitely. two of those pupils at some point are probably going to have a stoma, like. So I'd just yeah rather be really open about it and, and talk about it also. Yeah, it's crazy because actually it's really weird. I was at a school that was quite a similar size, and um, since like, since leaving, and because it was like not too big a school, kind of everybody knows everybody, and like when we all left, we all kind of knew this person, that person, even from like different year groups. And um, it's so strange because actually. Um, just before I had my stoma surgery done, there was another girl who I was at school with a couple of years above me, and she'd had a stoma surgery done. So okay. now I look back and I'm like, wow, that's that's mad. Like two people in that, you know, however many hundreds it was, like to go through that same surgery at similar times. Like it's obviously yeah. going to be something that will always continue to happen because, like I said, it's actually not as rare as we think it is. No, no, and yeah, and I think it's really. I remember when I was first diagnosed, I think it was about. 300,000 people in the UK that had it and now it's about over 500,000 isn't it so it's you know it's the rate of diagnosis and it's something I know Crohn's and Colitis UK are really sort of been done a lot of campaigns with pushing for like earlier diagnosis and stuff but they've done an amazing job at just getting more people in and getting more diagnosis so they can get the help but something I don't know whether it was lockdown or whether actually there has been an increase in rate of of, of it or 
whether they're just finding more people, I don't know. But I don't know. I feel like as well, like I, I've thought about this a lot because of um, a lot of people have said to me stuff about how like in, you know, in this country, there seems to be almost like more people with stomas than there are anyone else. And I'm like, is it that there's more here or is it because we talk about it in this country more than maybe they do in other countries and we actually do have access to the NHS and to healthcare. Whereas in other countries, obviously you have to pay for, med- for medical care and that kind of stuff too. So like, can you imagine like if you're going through this like in the US, like you've got to pay yes. thousands and thousands. Like I would just be like, nah, do you know what? Leaving it, I'm just going to slowly die in my bed. Like I'm not going to spend that <laughs> going down the doctors. <laughs> It's insane, like the amount of people that like, I've met through through the Instagram community that, that are in America, and I just like some of the stories they tell about what they've got to go through, the yeah. hoops they have to jump through to get their insurance companies. And you think, like, it's mental. Like, I, like I know people can whinge about the NHS, and to some extent, mm. you know, like there is annoyances. I think the people that work in it are brilliant. The commun- communication between them is not so good. Like, yeah. it's pretty poor, patchy. But um, but actually, it's an amazing service, and we take it for granted. But yeah, I can't imagine. And I wonder, yeah, you're right. I wonder how many people put it off and don't do it because of the costs in, involved. And actually, they just think, okay, I'll just try this drug and I'll try this drug and I'll just make do. And yeah, I don't know. And I think as well, it's like obviously you said about your surgeries being elective, which I think is like for some people would be such a mind blowing concept that you, you know, in some way, not not obviously with the first, but with particularly your second surgery, you said that that was something that you definitely elected to do. You were, you were like fit enough to like can I ask like why did you decide that you wanted yeah. to make it permanent like what was the thought process yeah. and like how has this kind of also impacted upon like relationships as well obviously that's always a hot topic like how did especially for a guy I think people would love to know yeah so I um so I originally went in my first surgery it was originally meant to be a lupuleostomy yeah um but they did CT scans before in the build-up to check and everything, found that I had uh, mild terminal ileitis and my ileum was narrowing at the end. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't do that. It was just wasn't safe. So they then decided, well, they're going to have to remove that bit of the small intestine. But they realized the CT scan showed that I had Crohn's all the way through my large and it was now moderate as well. So it progressed mm-hmm. and got worse. So mine, mine's always been all the way through my, through my large intestine, right up until the entrance to the small. But it obviously then migrated in. Um, so, so then in the end, they did a subtotal colectomy and, and endileostomy. Um, so I was like that for, since the end of June until just two weeks ago. Um, and I'd been having some issues with, with my rectum. I mean, it's, it's not a nice thing to talk about, but there's the discharge that you get from your bottom, um, which still, still gets produced, um, which was annoying for a while. And then it got bad and Mm. I was having blood in the discharge um and um then I was getting urgency and I had this state yeah. for about two weeks where I wasn't making it to the toilet again but this time it was the discharge and I was like oh, this, this is, is me yeah it was insane just like oh this is mad like I don't I'm done with this like this is stupid and obviously something's still going on down there like it's mm. not completely gone away so the combination of the worry that it had already gone into my small and it being that was always my worst bit of the rectum and stuff was still going on. I just I spoke to the surgeon. We're like, well, reversal is probably not the right plan because it probably is just going to reactivate stuff oh, in your really? rectum. So they actually said that to you. They actually were like the reversal. Yeah, yeah, not many people know that. Yeah, he said there's a risk it could reactivate it and kick oh, it off again. Wow. But then it could then then continue to then go back into your small again, which is that's like my main concern now. Is, is now, uh, when they did the biopsies, they then realised it wasn't mild terminalitis, and I think it was actually was Crohn's in my small intestine as well, so it had actually spread. So as far, I'm a bit unsure, really. I'm, I'm going to go and see my gastroenterologist uh, in a couple of weeks' time, but I think I've now got Crohn's disease rather than wow. colitis. 
Um, so there's a risk that even after all these surgeries, it, it yeah. could come back. Um, so yeah, really, it was kind of really reversal was not really going to be the best option. And I am absolutely fine in my stoma. Like, like I kind of like, I feel like, like I'm quite proud about it as well, I suppose. Um, and I, I've got no sort of body hangups. I don't really care. Um, you know, I think it's just fine. Um, so I was kind of just kind of happy to get rid of it, get rid of the problem. And when he started talking about when you've not got anything passing through your rectum, then um, they can't di diagnose cancer, rectal cancer very easily because it's something to do with the, the food passing through and the bacteria that are in there. And they, to check the rectal cancer, it's, it's basically a lot of symptomatic stuff that they look for. Right. But when there's nothing passing through, you can't see those symptoms. So then you could have had like undiagnosed cancer. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to use it, it's not doing that well anyway. Although it calmed down a bit by the time I went into the surgery, I just thought, oh, just, just get rid, just just get rid of it. Um, so yeah, joined the, joined the Ken Club. Whee. <laughs> And like, I mean, so it just, you kind of chose to have it done and everything, but you said that you, you felt confident enough with your body and with your stomach. Like, how did you get to that place? Was it a journey or have you always just been quite a like confident person in yourself and your body? Um, I think it, it helps. Uh, I'm, I've, I'm married. I've been married since before, um, before I had this, the first surgery. Um, yeah. I got married in 2012, so I've been married for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and I was with my wife previously uh, when I was diagnosed with Crohn's in the first place as well. So she's been wow. with me through the whole journey. So I suppose that side of things, like you sort of talked about relationships earlier, like there's there's less sort of concerns, I yeah. guess, because I'm in a long-term relationship. Um, but so I think that that definitely helps. But I, I think it's sort of like, I don't know, I, I feel like it's part of my body. It, it, it is part of well, the stomach literally is, isn't it? So it's just, I have to wear this bag, I've got to wear this bag, but actually I can now do stuff with my kids. I can, I can take them out for days out and not be worried about where the nearest toilet is or just, you know, I got to the point where I just wasn't going places with them and I was missing out on things with them. And now I'm do whatever I want and, you know, as soon as I've recovered from this surgery, I'm, I'm back to being free and able to go to the gym again and, and loads of stuff that I just wasn't able to do before. So the quality of life that it's given me, I think then gives me the confidence that yeah. I can say, actually, you know what, it's fine. I don't care. It's what it is. I feel like very similar in the way that you were saying kind of about obviously how a relationship can definitely help with your confidence if you're going through these things because you do have like a, a partner to support you. And I, I sometimes think about this too in terms of like if you was if you were single, do you think that your decision making may have been different? Would you have or, or do you think you would have always come to that conclusion that you were gonna, you know, have the stoma make it permanent? Um, I, I think it probably would have stayed the same just because of I think yeah I think I probably would have been the same anyway I think it would have been harder to make the decisions I guess yeah. um uh, I do yeah I do totally sympathize with everyone that, that that's that's younger than me I was a bit old a bit older now but um but yeah for you guys in your 20s that like it must be really difficult like when you're still trying to you're still trying to find yourselves like I kind of well not I really found myself but I, I, older and wiser I suppose um yeah. but um yeah it's it does make it a bit easier having having someone there and, and not having to worry about it. But I, I think from the health perspective, I would have probably made the same decisions anyway. Yeah, it's such a tough one, isn't it? Like to try to like you're trying to put your health first, and then you just like you know trying to do social life as well. Like 
it is, it is all complex and obviously like you said you've got you've got children as well have you spoken to your kids about it like do they kind of understand what you've been through do you ever worry as well that maybe one of your kids might go through something similar to this oh god absolutely yeah it's like my biggest fear oh, really? every time one of them like gets a tummy ache or something i just say oh that'd be god. me <laughs> Oh, it's like, yeah, it's, it's horrible. Um, so my, I've got two kids. My, my daughter is seven and my, my son is oh, it's a bit over four and a half. So um, they both know, they both like sort of know about my stoma. They see me change my bag. They'll mm. just stand in there whilst I'm emptying my bag and stuff in the toilet and everything. And so the, they, they know everything, but certainly the older one, Freya, I think she kind of understands to a certain extent. I don't think yeah. Theo really understands, um, but yeah they they sort of know enough and i'll tell them about it as they get older but um but yeah so yes this is quite interesting though in terms of their perspective on stuff so when um they came to see me in the hospital this time uh, they got to actually come in to see me in the ward this time which they didn't do the first time and my son was he was just his normal cheeky self he just came in and started raiding my bag of goodies that people had left me and pulling out all the chocolates and everything and so ripping bags of marshmallows open it's like no not the stoma friendly marshmallows yeah and then there were like sales i'm like thanks thanks my dad. um so he was fine but um yeah my daughter was was really coy and she was really reserved and you could tell she was kind of a bit there wasn't something quite right Aww. and then she got back in the car and, and apparently my wife she just burst into tears and she didn't really know what so yeah, it's hard on them. It's definitely been been hard on them. Um, it was annoying as well because I had to isolate for a week before I even went into hospital because my wife got COVID. Um, so that oh, was a nightmare. So I had to move out of the house to, oh, so that I didn't get it. So I could preserve my uh, my surgery slot. So um, yeah, so it was just about, about two weeks I'd not really seen them before. So yeah, it's quite a long time. Wow. So like yeah, that's that's insane as well and I think that for a lot of people they often wonder like you know with having kids some people are like I've seen people say that they're like terrified to have children just because they're scared that something could pass on to their kids does anybody else in your family have have any history with IBD or is it just you no no it's just me so my dad's got IBS but that's it Um, no one else got anything so yeah I'm just the the weird genetic freak so (laughs) (laughs) and obviously if you could go back now and like talk to the 24 year old you who got diagnosed kind of what would you what would you what would you tell them like from from going through all of this what would your advice kind of be I guess I I would definitely have told myself to like search out for people and join whether it was Instagram or whether that was even a thing back in 2009 I don't know but (laughs) might have been like um, MySpace (laughs) yeah I don't know but there must have been something that I probably could have have joined to, to have a community because I, I didn't have anyone I, I didn't know anyone that had it and I, I felt pretty isolated so mm. um, yeah just sort of probably tell myself to sort of reach out and, and connect with other people who go through similar stuff just so you've got someone to bounce off and share from because uh, friends and family are, are all fantastic but they still don't understand what what you're going through and the emotional side and everything else that goes with it because they, they haven't lived it so um, yeah that would be probably the one thing and to not take things for granted. Um, I think I took for granted that I was one of the lucky ones that, you know, I had it, but I didn't really have it. And yeah, you know, I never, I never imagined that I would end up with a stoma. I'd had so many years of, of being fine. And, and at one point I came off all the medication for about a year. I was on nothing. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, was man, it was mental. And um, so to then it, to progress, I guess, yeah, just, just, you know, it, it's taught me a lesson of, I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? These these surgeries haven't cured me. You can't cure IBD. There's no cure to it. 
Oh, um, hang on. So, Some people might say differently. Well, I saw your post. <laughs> the most thing I've ever seen. <laughs> a few internet doctors out there who claim they've got the cure for it. So, you yeah, know. Well, I got, I, I got contacted by by someone who had a, a, a long, strange name offering me some herbal cures the other day. Oh, for, God. Uh, I'm not responding to that. <laughs> it's so annoying, isn't it? It's like, literally, if it was a herbal cure, I think all of us would have taken it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, nobody wants to go through what we've been through. It's fucking um, awful. Yeah, it's a bit late now. There's not much of me left. Like, I'm yeah. literally about half of what I was, so... Like. <laughs> And like as well, do you have advice for, for any like particular advice for for guys as well? Anything in particular? Because as I say, they often find it hard to, you know, even for ages, I've been trying to get somebody to come on this podcast with IBD, who's a guy, but it's it's been quite difficult because I think yeah, there's so much emotion behind it, and just it's just yeah, I'm just wondering like if you had advice for for them at all. Just, just there's there's no shame in being upset there's no shame in 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 being feeling down about your situation you know there's no such being i i get i did never talk to to all the sixth form boys at my school actually on on men's mental health and mm. and, and that kind of stuff as well and, and it was all along the line of lines of you, you you don't know what you're going to encounter in life and sometimes things are hard and you'll get upset and your things will be hard but you you'll get through it and but you get through it because you talk about it you bottle things up everything is is 50 times worse so i think my main advice is just talk just just talk to people that that all the friends your family and for at least a bit my i don't really know my personal goal when i started my instagram was to reach out to people that were like me before i found instagram and before i had my surgery the yeah. and, and try and get my message to them and be like actually look come and come and join us because we can help you we, we can be here you can learn from what we we're going through and and it can be a source of, of of help and advice and and you learn so much like i'm constantly learning stuff from, from everyone that i sort of make connections with on instagram and I, it's taught me so much that i, I even the main things like with like my, my stoma bag, I changed my bags not long ago. Where the same with you actually, where, you, where I was getting a lot of leakages, and, and I kind of thought, what am I going to do? Like this, is, and I just kind of was accepting that that's just what it was. Yeah. And then more people were posting about it. I was like, oh, this is a thing, and this is not good for this. My skin's like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I was like, oh, these seals. Oh, right, I'll get some of those. So I ordered a, a sample, and then and then I spoke to my stoma nurse because. I think you tried the convex bags or somebody else yeah. had tried them. I was like, okay, I'll give those a go. And then since then, like, it's been perfect. So, like, yeah, I think just as a guy, just just talk because sometimes you can learn from others and sometimes you can help others. And it's just so important just to just to be open. Yeah, I think your videos as well are so fantastic because you you, you talk very openly and uh, about everything. And, it, uh, you know, for, for males who do that, especially with your kind of job and stuff as well, like, it's, it's, it's great because, you know... It, that you're able to work and to do that a lot of people struggle even to just stay in in, in a job you know with when they're this ill and, or to find work because they have to have a lot of time off and stuff and you're kind of showing people that you can live life you can do what you're passionate about and have a stoma and have the chem bum which is which is fab yeah, yeah. oh thank you very much i appreciate that brilliant and oh do you want to just give your instagram handle as well for everybody to follow you just before yes yeah, uh, stoma diaries all one word stoma diaries all one word fantastic well it's been lovely chatting with you yeah, um i hope you enjoy the rest of the week thank you very much that was great thank you lovely take care bye yeah.